Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. I feel like I got to put an extra, extra funk on it today uh, and, and some added syncopation. Um, in case you guys are tuning in for the first time ever, this show covers all things innovation, ideas, smart people doing smart things. And I'm um, sitting right in front of a smart person doing a smart thing. Say hello, Elmo Lovano. So happy to be here feeling really smart. So easy to replace that V with a Z. Yeah, but that, I mean, I guess it still stays Italian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's still, it's authentic. We'll keep it as a V. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of keeping, when did, when did you cut your hair? Oh, speaking of losing, um, <laughs> I, I cut my hair when I decided to change my life and start a tech company and not, Is that tour, really when you did it? not tour the world anymore. Yeah, because I had the long hair because I was headbanging, yeah, yeah. playing drums. I was like, I got to have the long hair. I'm feeling great. And then all of a sudden I had a tech company and I was like, I got to cut my hair. I'm feeling not so great with this long hair. I'm feeling a little bit odd man out. Do you want to do rocking man bun at the investors meetings? I was sitting there talking to my engineers and I was like playing with my hair <laughs> and I was, and they were, they don't have hair. And I was like, I got to cut my hair. I can't keep doing this. And then I did. It actually felt really good. It looks good. Thank you. Um, so uh, before we go too far down that road, um, why don't you give us the 101 on who Elmo is, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll jump in. Elmo Lovano. Um, I'm a drummer, first and foremost. Drummer, music director, producer. Um, started touring when I was 15. Spent half my life touring and making records and playing drums doing cool music projects <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, and I uh, had a great time doing that and essentially as I was you know on my journey in the music industry I just continually observed and saw a lot of things that I thought I could do better or a lot of inefficient things that I thought I could help solve you know with useful solutions and um that's kind of what led to jam card and me you know deciding that was like the big part was deciding okay i actually want to go and pursue and try to build this and you know take a hard turn and not yeah. just focus on my music anymore and focus on a whole new area that i'm you know don't know how to do that's and an interesting then, thing though it, it, it's you know a lot of us have ideas in the back of our heads or, you know, we're, it's Yelp syndrome, just mm -hmm. complain about everything and then not do anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, what went into that decision of like, okay, I'm going to do as opposed to just like recognize that there's an area that should be better. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, th I had thought a jam card four years before I decided to go all in and build it. Um, uh, you have to really want to. Right. So I knew when I thought of jam card, I was like, okay, I, I would love to have this. I would love to build this. I would love to have it exist. Um, and then, you know, the first person I pitched it to was my dad, who's an entrepreneur. And he told me from the start, that's a great idea. You should build that, but you're going to have to go all in. You can't tour. You can't make records anymore. It's going to be way more work than you ever imagined. And I was like, cool. Thanks for the heads up. Not going to do it. Um, I'd rather thanks, just, I was like, 24 and drumming around the world. I'm going to stay here and try to keep this growing. This is this is working pretty well. Um, so I, what made me do it was I couldn't stop thinking about it over those next four years. Um, and on top of that, I kept seeing all these new use cases for it and how all my peers would use it in different ways, whether they were a drummer or a singer or sure. a engineer or a manager or 
songwriter, whatever it is. It was like constantly, constantly observing as because I'm a big collaborator mm-hmm. on no matter what context. I love collaborating with people, you know, so. Um, in doing that, I was just like, man, I have to make this. <laughs> I, I, the quote that got me to actually jump or make the jump was the simplest quote ever, which is, you never know unless you try. <laughs> it's like an old grade school poster. It really is. you know. And I was like, you know, the way I looked at it was, if I do this and it works, that's going to be incredible. If I do it and it doesn't work, I'll at least never think about it again. I can get it off my mind and put it to rest. So that was like the main thing that made me commit and be like, okay, I'm going to try. Did you, did you have other entrepreneurial ideas along the way? Or was this like the one thing that could like, you know, cause obviously mm-hmm. you had a really successful track record in music, but was there any other ideas that had popped up in between time? Yeah. I mean, first of all, if you have a band and you've successfully monetized that band, you're an entrepreneur in my book. Cause monetizing a band is like one of the hardest products to monetize right so you have to get your band together you got to make a album of sorts you have to sell it and have people actually pay for it and want to pay for it more than past your friend circle you know Um, like if you can make a a living off music you're an entrepreneur in that way so outside of making albums and stuff um, I I threw this uh, weekly art and music event in Hollywood that I started when I was 23 and that was my first thing. You started Hollywood when you were 23? I started. No, I, I'm kidding. I, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I created this thing called Hollywood <laughs> when I was 23. Um, I was like, you know what? I have these big letters that spell Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I should yeah. just put it on this okay, hill. H, this hill's not being used. It's like the worst game of Scrabble ever. Yeah. <laughs> I've got an H, two L's. I was like, Wallyhood. And my dad was like, no, Hollywood. Um, where are we going? Sorry. Yeah. You started because uh, <laughs> it was at Cinespace. We talked about this before. It was at Cinespace, yeah. which is where I met Jack, who's now our head of operations sure. for Jam Card. Shout out to Jack. He, Jack was the GM of the of the venue at the time. And um, so that was my first entrepreneurial thing outside of just making an album or so, was creating a, a live event. So big learning curve there as well. How do you throw an event? What do you need to do? How to get people in the door? How to sell tickets? How to get the bar up? And one that would like just talk talk to us a little bit about the event because it was super successful. Um, I love you told the story about Skrillmo, but just kind of you know walk us through some of the successes of that because it's I don't want to over overlook that. Yeah, I mean it it transitions really nicely into Jam Card because essentially I came home from I toured fifteen to twenty two. I came home and just saw that the art and music community was in fragments in L A. and I was just like, well, there's no physical hub. I want to create the physical hub, and I had some hype or a little bit of a following at the time. So I was like, well, I feel like I could pack the room, you know, like a 300 person room. I might as well use that as an opportunity to promote my friends who are super talented and deserve exposure, but aren't necessarily good at promoting themselves or releasing their music. So I can at least give them an audience, you know? And that was the simple form of of the idea was I have a lot of talented friends. I love promoting my friends, um, you know, and we can get people in the room and if they buy drinks, then the club owner is happy and then I can continue doing this artistically. Um, and yeah, so the event, you know, the the very first residency we gave, well, it started with my band, the Devil's Orchestra, was the resident for uh, 72 weeks. 
which we were planning on doing like three or four weeks. So the fact that it even got to 72 was absurd. (laughs) Um, We didn't even realize what was happening. We're just like, well, we're still here. Okay. Uh, There's still people coming and paying. Okay, great. Um, And then the first residency I gave after uh, Devil's Orchestra was uh, Young the Giant. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they were actually called the Jakes at the time, but it was the same band with the same songs and they got signed out of the event and everything via their manager, Ben, and, um, changed their name to Young the Giant, like right then and did really well, you know, (laughs) still really close friends, super supportive of them. They ended up moving into my house and making or writing their second record too, side story. Um, so when everyone from them and then the last residency we gave was, was Skrillex. Um, and these were the first Skrillex shows with him as Skrillex. We, we actually started booking him. He, he hit us up. He's been a friend of mine because we used to tour in our like punk rock days, hardcore days on the Warp Tour when we were kids. <laughs> and uh, um, he told me he was making electronic music. He showed me this thing called Dubstep Out of London. He blew my mind. And then he showed me the songs he was making. And I was like, what? I've never heard music like this, bro. <laughs> this crazy. is amazing. Because him and I are both like metal kids and Dubstep was kind of like electronic metal, especially his kind, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was like, this is amazing, bro. You need to, let's do this at the club. So, so we did it just as his name, Sonny Moore at first. And then he hit me and he's like, I got an idea for a name. It's Skrillex. And I was like, okay. And then we started doing it as Skrillex. And then as he grew and then we, he was playing literally in the patio at first playing dubstep music in there, 60 people, 50 people, Mm -hmm. you know, he would do it at first and it became 70 people. Then it became 80. And then we put him in the lounge where the DJs performed and it was like 150 people. So uh, just to put it in context, let's talk a little bit about Jam Cart and I have a theory on your evolution, but just yep. you know, tell, just walk us through the Jam Card brand and experience and platform. Totally. So, yeah, fast forward to today. So, Jam Card is the music professionals network. We have an app that is an invite only social network for vetted music professionals. It's kind of like LinkedIn meets IMDb meets Instagram, but for the music industry and with a curated member base where everyone in the app is a vetted active professional. Um, yeah, so the apps the yeah. apps doing really well. We have a you know high engaged user base. We're um, booking a lot of the biggest tours right now. You know, um, supplying the musicians for them um, or crew as well. So we have all sorts of instrumentalists, um, but we also have you know singers, songwriters, producers, engineers, managers, tour managers, front of house guys, lighting directors, like yeah. kind of whatever you need for your tour, your studio session. Um, we can build that for you very quickly. So, so my my introduction to Jam Card was actually at one of the Jam sessions. Okay, yeah, I got to see Ty Dolla Sign. Nice. Oh, the um, uh, the Jam Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I know you guys just wrapped a documentary on trap jazz, which I was listening to in the studio today. It's like uh, getting warmed up for this conversation. Nice, nice. But um, you know, why create all those additional things? You know, most companies will say like, let's laser focus on getting users. Maybe this is a way of doing it, but you know, mm-hmm. why build these other elements to take time, energy, you totally. know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So. Originally, the reason why we started doing content was because at the time I was having tech uh, problems or difficulties in getting the app where I wanted it uh, in via dev because I was a new technologist. I didn't have much experience there. So I was getting very frustrated with attempting to build the app and just not being able to hit our deliverable dates and our release dates. And I was like, well, you know what? 
we could start making content because I'm ready to start building the brand. You know, I had like uh, a lot of my peers ready, people asking about Jamcard, like my close friends. And I was like, okay, I have these, you know, certain people. I'm ready to start building it. I know I could think of a show and just execute that on by a certain day and hit a deliverable and put it out. So um, I was at the time researching uh, how I was trying to find how Ringo got in the Beatles. <laughs> and I couldn't find it anywhere from the horse's mouth, like from him. Yeah, I can only find other people talk about it. And I was like, oh, I wish there was just a show. It was just how I got the gig. And Ringo just said how he got the Beatles gig. I was like, oh, that's a good idea for a show. So I called Jack. <laughs> I was like, yo, do you like this idea? How I got the gig, blah, blah, blah. He was like, I like it. Let's, you know, let's run with that. I was like, will you help me produce it and like put a camera team together and direct and whatever? He was like, for sure. I was like, all right, cool. And then I made a list of 15 people that were my ideals for season one, called all 15 of them. Uh, and pretty much like in the next 10 days, we filmed the whole first season. Um, 12 were of it were schedulable in those dates. Yeah. So scheduled those because we're dealing with, you know, touring musicians mostly. So you never know who's going to be in town or not. And uh, so it happened very organically. It was not planned. You know, it was really just uh, a pivot uh, for on a reaction of like, man, how do I just start building the brand right now? You know, tech is hard. Uh, building the jam card app is like the hardest thing I've ever done, you know? And now, I mean, we're not, we're not, it's never finished. An app is like a living thing. Now it's out. It's great. I'm very, very proud of it and happy with it. And we will continue to build it and are continuing to, but, uh, at, but for the, the first, it was like eight months or so we were just like, okay, we did how I got the gig, put it up. People started really liking it. Yeah. People were sharing it. I was like, okay, cool. This is still building the Jam Card brand. It's still music professionals. It's telling their story. It's empowering them. It's helping gain exposure for them. It's showing that musicians are important. It's showing that the stars behind the stars or the people behind the stars are stars too and all of that stuff that we're all about. Um, so it felt good. Yeah. I, I was interviewing people. I never interviewed anyone before. I was never planning on it either. It was just all of a sudden okay, who's going to ask how I got the gig and do, okay, I guess it's me, right? <laughs> so, and then next thing you know, I mean, long story short, um, the Grammys ended up licensing that from us and putting it on the front page yeah. of Grammy.com. It was Jam Card Presents on Grammy.com and there's our members and it's like rad. It's like, well, because of Jam Card, our members who are like Kendrick Lamar's drummer is on the front, not Kendrick, right. you know, or, or, Victoria, you know, who's Beyonce's keyboardist is up there or Morris, Morris Hayes is with, was Prince's music director and keyboardist, you know? So it's like these people who are a lot of times behind the artists on the front of the Grammy site because of jam cards. So I was like, this is tight. Yeah. Um, and then it really grew from there. Jack and I always have too many ideas. So it's like, how about the show where I go to band's production rehearsals? Because And that all happened because... Um, Kid Cudi's drummer Mike Moore was in the st I saw on his Instagram that he was in the studio and he showed his rig real quick and I was like dude can I come and put a camera on that tomorrow at, at rehearsal <laughs> at Kid Cudi rehearsal and he was yeah. like sure bro I was like alright great so I went and did it just filmed it literally me and him that next morning at 9am and then I finished told Jack like after I was like I just filmed something really cool it's another show I don't know what it is and then I just was throwing around names. I was like, gear goggles as like a play on words. So that's how that show happened. Every show has happened just organically, right. opportunity. Same thing with now the Trap Jazz documentary uh, happened because Devin Taylor, who's one of our members, I got hit up from Adrian X, who's Drake's music director. Yep. He wanted to build a band, but all his players were Toronto, Party Next Door. Wanted, he was building it for Party Next Door, who's on OVO with Drake mm -hmm. and the whole Drake crew. They wanted an LA band. 
So he's like, can you build me an LA, LA band via jam card? I was like, sure. Um, and together we built him this crazy band, which had Devin in it. So next thing you know, they're in tour. They're playing the forum with Party Next Door and Halsey. Devin hits me up. Yo, we got a day off. I've been working on this new music. It's called Trap Jazz. I'm going to hit you with it. We should do a jam jam or something. He sends it to me and it's amazing. Yeah. Right? I'm just like, this is, wow, this is amazing. Cool. Let's do a jam jam. Let's let LA hear this. And then the day before the Jam Jam, I was like, wait, we got to put cameras on these guys. These guys are so special. They have amazing personalities. They're insane musicians. Like, this music is crazy. I don't know what it is, but let's just document it. So we went and got two cameras and just put it on their rehearsal and then them playing the Jam Jam the next day, edited it, and we're like, made a little trailer and we're like, wow, this is, a, this should be a doc. Yeah. This should be a featured doc. And then next thing you know, two months later, we get it funded. We're making our first featured doc. So, so none of it was really, none of it on that side is. But you you all, you, you almost have like a, a missing gene, right? And I, I think it might come from the fact that you started being a professional when you were 15. You know, mm. what do you think that you missed out on that has helped you? Because, you know, a lot of mm. kids uh, at some point we become stifled by like right. our inner circles. But here you are out on the road. And you like your big heartedness, like you mm. seem like a big kid, you know, right now. Right. Uh, uh, but, you know, what do you think it was that you missed out on that has helped you? It's a great question. Um, I, I would say I maybe missed out on fear or, or being taught structure. Like, oh, you have to follow these rules. Like, I didn't go to film school. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to business school. I didn't go to music school. I'm a self taught drummer. I'm a self taught entrepreneur. I'm a self taught. Uh, content creator now producer i'm self-taught on everything i do you know i don't pay attention in school i'm not a good scholar like i will just add out start drawing pictures of drums <laughs> you know, like like a big child You're scholarly um, in your own way scholarly in my own way i'm a hands-on learner and yeah. i and if i'm interested i will tunnel vision in and you won't stop me you know and i will create and have fun with it you know but once again collaborating I will I will not be creating alone. Yeah. I will find people that I love working with and we will start doing stuff but together. But that was the other thing that I, um, I wrote down was yeah. I, I put it in quotes was friendship. Right? Yeah. Um all about working with my friends, surrounding myself. Yeah. My friends are all you know, my favorite what, like, musicians and what's what's your definition of relationships? You know, whether work, business, play or do they all blend? it seems like they blend, but like That's a great question also. You're really good at this. I'm on dude. fire. Wow. Um I would say I would say my definition of friends is family. Um, I consider a lot of my friends family, you know, and I think people you get born into a family, right? So you get your family that you're given. Maybe you like them, maybe you don't. You've seen it all, right? I am very close to my family. I have a relatively small family, um, but my my brother and my and my mom and dad and I are very very close. Um, but I also have friends that are like my brothers and my sisters and that I'm, you know, super proud of and will help any way I can and all that. So I feel like you have like your family that you can build and choose yeah. and then you have your given family, you know, but so, I mean, Jam Card, A, our team feels like a family and our member base feels like a family. I mean, everyone, we all call, we all call it the Jam Fam. Like it feels like this giant family that's growing. So they say with companies and company culture and everything and like all roots to mm -hmm. the founder, you know, because 
Absolutely. If I put on the first five people, which then makes the first 50, which then makes the first 500, 5,000, 50,000, whatever, it all starts from there. So I would say that's like something I'm most happy about. That was also not intentional, just organic and authentic is that it feels like a family now. Well, when you think about, you know, every business at some point, right, there's deliberate scale. Yeah. Um, is there what What are you most fearful about with that? Because you said that like the five to the 50 to the 500. Yeah. Like is what's on your mind when you think about scaling a, yeah. a jam car? Uh, my fear is it, it's, it's hard to scale quality. You can scale quantity. Right. But one thing um, that my buddy Ray Brady, who is um, super smart, works with everyone from like Grimes, Santi Gold, all these people. He always told me you can either be Chanel or Target. <laughs> you can't be both. Right. So I've started with, you know, Jam Card being more modeled after Chanel in terms of like, oh, we are all active professionals, you know, at a certain tier. Um but then so how do you scale that? Right. You know. And right now I'm surrounding myself with v- the smartest people I can to figure that out and make the best decisions. That you because... are, my friend. <laughs> Starting with this guy right here. <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yep. Um, Audible high five for the audience. <laughs> I, had to, I had to hit it extra. Just. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of learning. Like, for example, we just launched Atlanta, which was our first city uh, outside of LA, and we learned a lot. So it was like, okay, that was our first taste of scaling outside the city, and now we're about to launch our. Uh, or announce our second launch outside of LA and we will do that even better because you learn and you tweak. So I would say I don't have those answers yet because we haven't scaled what, sure. you know, what a venture capitalist would consider scale exactly. yet. You know, we're, we're seed round, we're still a startup, you know, but from what I hear from a lot of these smart people is that we are doing it the right way because you can't build it for a million people or 10 million people, you build it for a niche, you know, and those are all the, all the companies that do scale. Yeah. Um, you can figure it out, you know, so it's, it's all part of the process. Um, but I feel like, um, I feel proud of, of how we've done it on our own super, you know, I, I still consider us DIY, you know, very much so. It, but um, it all is. Right? Yeah. Like you're building something that hasn't been built before. It's right. all do-it-yourself. I mean, there's certain blueprints and things like that. But Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I would say I, I fear that I fear that when we scale, uh, quality drops. Or I guess my major fear would be if or fear would be if we scale and then our original members aren't don't feel the value or the heart that they did, you know. Yeah. And I think that'll be the toughest challenge is like, how, how do you make, grow something and make the people that are, cause there's always the original people like, I was here first. Oh, that's, that's any brand. Like it's I, any you know, brand. Yeah. It's comic con, you know, it's like, well, what are all these corporations doing? It's like, cause it was good. Like it yeah. was good enough that, that <laughs> you know, that money and, and pop culture came yeah. into the picture. Um, does, what does the phrase race remember mean anything to you? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, like, oh. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you know, backwards, it's drummer's ear, right? Yeah, right. Um, Which I only found out pretty recently. Oh, see? I thought I, I, thought I was going to enlighten you on something drumming-oriented. You reminded me. Uh, <laughs> even better. <laughs> um, no, I, I find that you know a lot of people that come from one craft and you know enter another, 
there's some similarities or a, a rhythm that mm-hmm. they you know that they find that's similar to their older like what's similar oh, yeah. to being an entrepreneur to just being a, a drummer oh yes okay so i have this whole thing that i've been working on um that is essentially there's so many similarities like that's why building a band is building a brand you know it's all building a brand essentially with whatever you're doing hopefully building culture um so one thing i've learned and acknowledge quickly is that um a big similarity is like major labels are like venture capitalists. The VCs are the major labels in tech world and music world. And the angel investors are the indie labels. And so how I saw my bands work and my friends' bands work to the point where they were actually successful and happy, because I've seen my friends, you know, become quote unquote successful, what someone would consider successful, but they're not happy. In term in music, right? They they get big, but it's like, oh, it's this, it's this, not exactly what I thought it was going to be, yada yada. Um, so, to relate to that, I would recommend if you're starting a band, the way to build your band is to um, get your people together, bootstrap it, make a demo, get it out so where you can sell tickets, um, get it to a point where you could sign a small indie deal, which could help get you on the roads. So you could sell a few hundred tickets like right. around the country, build it to there. Once you accomplish that. And you have this, you know, fan base. Then you're ready to scale, even though that word isn't used in music, yeah. right? Then you're ready to scale. Then you can sign your major label deal because you're going to the major and you're showing, hey, I know my demographic. You know, I have a, fa- I can sell. I'm good for this amount of tickets without X amount of marketing that you're right. about to put in and all this. So give, let me have creative control or more creative control. Absolutely. And then you can actually do that. So that's my approach with Jam Card is. I did bootstrap at first, then we went and raised angel money um, so I can prove, hey, this is an important market that people just haven't been paying attention to. Yeah, And, and, as, and as a drummer, right, like you're kind of holding the cadence of an entire, you know, musical library, I'd say. Um, as a leader, now CEO, what what is like the actual art of drumming, you know, giving you in terms of holding that cadence and keeping everybody together? Another great question. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to do this all day long. Yeah. Really? Well, I'm um, hard out, but. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, uh, they, you know, drumming teaches you a lot how to split your brain um, because A, you have four limb separation. If you get into really nerdy drumming, which I definitely did and still am. Um, so separating all four of your limbs, you can play four different time signatures at once. Most people can't play a time signature <laughs> or two. Can, you know polyrhythms at once so right. so you you get that because you're training yourself it's almost it's like a multitask functionality right um and it's just a way to for you to process the other thing is drummers are typically um like the operators of bands right like when you're in a uh, you know when you're a garage band diy whatever like the 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 drummer's typically the guy booking the shows getting the van doing the load in kind of that so mm-hmm. business sense you know a lot of times like the drummer will be the one that like ends up goes and starts a company or does something like that i don't know why but for whatever reason that's just like we're the glue or we're the we are the backbone right you know so that is is a responsibility you know being a drummer that is your big responsibility you miss one thing it is the most noticeable thing missed you know um you speed up you slow down you miss a beat you drop a stick you do whatever so you have to be taught the strength and the consistency to be the backbone which then when you have that confidence which is the best place it comes from because the confidence and your internal metronome is the most powerful thing that you can learn as a drummer 
because that's how you can stay straight. Because if you second guess yourself in anything, yeah, you know, you're going to slow down no matter what at the very least. Um, so learning that confidence and that internal metronome and then the polyrhythmic challenge and all that stuff, I think definitely goes into business because if you're going to be a leader, you have to be confident. You know, you have to make decisions, move forward, and hopefully people surround you the way a band surrounds a drummer. There's a book in there somewhere. Jack. I mean, you don't have time. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> Jack, write it. <laughs> Jack, write the book. Get a camera. I'm already writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got the first six pages done yeah. already. I, I Jack's got to write that book. But I can't, I couldn't spell it polyrhythmic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the same poly as the other poly. And then you add rhythmic. Okay. Are, you, are you always this jovial? Uh, and or what pisses you off? Jack says yes. <laughs> uh, I'm a pretty jolly guy. I'm a pretty happy guy. What pisses me off? Oh my god! Look. Don't look at me so hard. It was... Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what pisses me off? Started getting pissed. <laughs> you. Look. <laughs> um, I like moving fast. I like. I guess what pisses me off is oh, people going back on their word pisses me off. Um, people talking shit on my family. Any kind of family, family yes. any kind of family. Yeah, that's, people that's that break their word—that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you, I don't get pissed easily. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta really fuck up to have me be pissed that, off, and you got, and it, I have to feel it like it's like somewhat a real threat too. That's I a, feel like it's somewhat like, deliberate. Like there's a, you know, it, uh, <laughs> for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So, like the opposite end of this book end of your uh, personality is probably dangerous <laughs> <laughs> don't test me exactly um uh so what are you looking most forward to with jam card like you know is there something maybe top secret in the vault that you're like this is gonna Man, change the, the game yeah there's there's several there's i mean we have a pretty extensive you know five-year plan um i think most people don't know that you know um only a business person would care really to or even ask about that, but there's there's a lot in our plan that I'm super excited about, and I also get really excited because a lot of my favorite things that have happened with Jamcard weren't planned anyways, so you know, your pivots are just your natural things that, that evolve, so I'm excited to see what happens, <laughs> first and foremost, and right now especially, I feel like we've been proving ourselves, so there's a lot of really incredible people reaching out. So I'm 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 I feel very lucky to be meeting with the people I've been meeting with recently and getting to converse with and learn from. Um, so I'm super excited about that. We do have a lot of projects. We have we have a couple projects we're developing right now that I'm super excited, you know, about. And then we have ones that are still dreams that I'm excited to chase. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we already started talking about the trap jazz doc, which we haven't announced yet. Oh, well, <laughs> but but uh, I'm excited about that. You know, we don't, we don't we don't edit. I'm excited about. I'll tell <laughs> I'll tell you what. We have several jam jams we're developing right now yeah. that I'm really excited about. If there's like four in development, and if any one of the four happens, it's gonna be like hell yeah. And if all four happens, it's gonna be like hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, I got a tambourine at home, man. So if you you're you in, me, yeah, you got to apply on jamcard.com. Dang. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um as we wind out you, you know sounds like you've you've been on a huge learning curve um oh, yeah. uh just in general and you also just had a birthday and i have this theory mm. on a, a jesus year 
Okay, yeah. Right? And Jesus died when he was 33, and you just got out of that age? Sorry yeah. Sorry if, if, if I'm giving another secret. But um, what was that year, what was 33 like for you? Because I know for me it was like, I mean, a lot of people I talk to with this theory, yeah. it's like such an epic year. Yeah. Ups and downs and, and things like that. So what, what was that like for you? It was like and that. happy belated birthday, by the way. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Um, lots of ups, lots of downs. It was a, It was a tough year. I feel like I grew an enormous amount this year. I've definitely changed. I know the, f- the, f- you know, the years where I was developing jam card and never called myself CEO. I would only say founder. I never felt like a CEO. I never wanted to be a CEO. Um, and I feel like this year I learned to embrace being a CEO, which is just a different mindset. You know, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or whatever it may be, but I feel myself, getting much smarter on the business side because I literally was touring for 15 years, you know, like I would do business things within it, but not like this, sure. you know, and not with now people watching and investors and everything else that comes with it. So I would say this year I grew, um, I grew my following. I grew my company's following. I grew, um, amazing mentors. I, I learned, probably the most I've ever learned in a single year was in my Jesus year for sure. And I, and I felt, I felt like I was being given a responsibility in leading Yeah, and I have embraced it, especially as we were coming more towards the end of my 33, which I guess ended on Monday. Um, more and more I'm embracing it Yeah, and I feel, I feel more confident and comfortable and happy about it. Um, and, uh, so yeah, and and I made it through. Twenty seven, I was really scared. Twenty six was for me. At uh, twenty six, I was like, I was officially out of eighteen to twenty five, and I was like, I should have made something by my, of myself by now. <laughs> like, I'm an adult, uh, and I still have that feeling every day. So it happens. Uh, <laughs> this show's called Innovation Crush. Um, uh, as you've seen the world and have been building a business and talking to people and getting advice, and I know you guys shot VR at the you know the Jam Jam that I went to. Um, what do you currently have an innovation crush on? be a meal could be a cuisine i don't know like yes okay great great question um i think ar is gonna flip the world upside down um i think vr is really cool but i think ar is gonna just change our lives much faster than we expect um i'm really excited about autonomous vehicles I got to ride in a, te- a driverless Tesla while I was at the steering wheel. It was pretty tight. Crazy, I was like, right? I could get used to this. <laughs> um, I'm excited about uh, music technology um, and where music's going. I think music's finally, after like 15 years, you know, was flipped upside down and had a really bad two decades and and now it's growing and there's and like what okay technology right now what's tight about technology and millennials and everything is transparency is very important and i think that's what we need right now Mm -hmm. in order to get out of the mess right is uh is is going to come from transparency and data obviously there's all sorts of data issues but like at the same time it's going to help us identify a lot of things and um so i think a transparent music industry is very exciting or entertainment industry in general is very exciting to me. And I think will enable people who had less of a chance. Yeah. I think they'll have more of a chance. It's also interesting. It. You know, there's a theory and I'll try to summarize the quote, but it's like, 
as the music industry goes, so does the rest of the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. You know, and so you know, kudos to you for like taking a leap of faith and like building a tool that gives people opportunity. You know, that's, thank you, that's man. Pretty cool. Um, last but not least, innovation to me is complete the phrase for me. Sexy. <laughs> with the, Why did I look the, at with Jack the, with the double eyebrow <laughs> raise too? Uh, innovation to me is necessary. Mm. And sexy. Sexy is necessary. Um, explain explain ne a little ne bit sexy, further. Necessary. Sex is necessary. Yes. Next question. Yeah, I, I, that felt like a Me Too moment. I feel I feel violated. <laughs> Don't. Uh, <laughs> There's witnesses. We're fine. Look, this is mutual. Um, so where can people go to find out more about you? Um, I'm dis disappointed you didn't wear your um, interview with the vampire sunglasses. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah. Okay, continue. Uh, there you go. We gotta get a photo oh, I'm of that. Vibed out. Well, can we start over? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to another installment of it. I like innovating. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, where can people go to find you, Jamcar Jack? Yep, jamcar.com. Two M's, one word. J A M M C A R D. That's also our Instagram. Our Instagram's popping every day with all the best music professionals. We post videos of our members just killing it and having fun every day. Uh, I'm Elmo Lovano, L-O-V-A-N-O, on all things Instagram. Really just Instagram, man. Twitter, I don't do, I don't really do, I like repost them there. Jam Cards YouTube is kicking, mine isn't, but Jam Cards YouTube is worth a watch too, and our Facebook. I'm pretty much putting all the energy in Jam Card. As you should. My Instagram, Jam Card Everything Else is this. Yeah, uh, sex is hairy. Yeah, sex is hairy. <laughs> Uh, everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time.